Hello, this is Jeff Otis, partner at Evergreen, and you're listening to Coffee with Evergreen on the Evergreen Exchange. I hope you enjoy this conversation between myself and Evergreen senior analyst, Garman Howell. And as always, thanks for listening. Hey, listener, this episode requires an extra disclosure. Jeff Otis is an employee and partner of Evergreen GovCal. All views and opinions expressed by Jeff and any guest of the podcast are solely the individual's views and do not necessarily reflect the views of Evergreen GovCal. Evergreen GovCal's clients may hold securities mentioned in this podcast at any given time. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions or be considered investment advice. Enjoy the episode. All right, we've got Evergreen Senior Analyst Garman Howell back on the podcast. And Garman, welcome back. Thanks, Jeff, for having me back. Nice to have you on. I think this is maybe the second or third time I've had you on, at least the the third, maybe actually the fourth by now. Uh, you always do a great job. Uh, you're, you're part of our portfolio management team internally uh, as one of our, our senior analysts. And, and I thought we could get your perspective on markets right now. So it's interesting, right? So during these shakeouts that, that we've experienced, and I've experienced a number of them uh, in my 15 years here at Evergreen, but it always seems like the most nervous of us, you know, the most nervous of all, it's like right around now is when I'm getting phone calls where people are like, hey, should we be selling everything? Meaning like, should we be liquidating fully to cash and just hiding out for now and stop the bleeding. I was reading earlier this morning, you know, there's so much stuff that comes across our, our desks and our terminals, but there was a piece uh, on Yahoo Finance talking about Susie Orman, and I don't put like all of my uh, chips on on her advice, but she, she speaks to a lot of people, right? Uh, in terms of financial advice, and it was this article on her five time-tested tips to get you through inflation and stock market dips. You scroll down, number one, don't sell stocks when markets are bad, right? And so I'm like having fun kind of forwarding that article around a little bit, but let's let's actually uh, hear it from you, right? So would you say this is a reasonable time to be fully kind of rip-courting your portfolio to cash? Uh, I think the short answer is absolutely not. You know, I don't want to minimize how painful this kind of drawdown has been. As you know, Jeff, it's really kind of been one where you can't hide um, in all that many places. Usually you kind of flee to bonds and that really hasn't worked in this kind of environment. You know, bonds are down 10% year to date, a little over 10%. Um, you know, stocks obviously have, have been have been crushed. But I think, you know, in general, this shouldn't have come as too much of a surprise. I think at Evergreen, we've been kind of highlighting the fact the market's reasonably expensive, uh, at least heading into this year. Um, and that, you know, investors should really be kind of cautious as to what they buy and, and make sure that the business model itself is fairly resilient. Um, I think, you know, while the, the pain has been fairly kind of acute, especially in the last week or two, um, when it's really just widened out and kind of the magnitude has grown to, to quite painful levels, you know, it's, it's helpful to zoom out a little bit and to see exactly what the market looks like as a whole and kind of where, where we come from. So if you look on a three-year basis, um, the market overall has returned just under 9.5% annually. So even with this pullback, the market still generated a healthy return looking back three years. Now, um, if you look at tech, which has kind of been the, the most um, felt pain in the market at the moment, that's returned just over 14% annually uh, since 2019, uh, so on a three-year trailing basis. I don't think that that's necessarily all that bad of a return, to be honest. That's more or less in line with historical averages. Um, you know, uh, 
last year we were highlighting as, as a firm, uh, the valuations were fairly stretched and that was definitely true. Um, but now where we sit today, it's at a reasonable level. It's more or less in line with historical averages. Um, if you look back over the last 10, 15 years, uh, the S&P has not really been in that 16 times uh, price to earnings ratio all that many times. Uh, it happened in 2018 and it happened right after the great financial crisis um, in 2012, 2013. Um, so it, you know, from a valuation perspective, it looks fairly attractive to, be, to actually be buying at this point uh, versus selling. So it, you know, I I don't want to minimize the the downturn that we felt, um, but selling at this point doesn't make a ton of sense. Um, I know that that's that's probably uh, a move that feels good, but in investing, you you often have to do what feels maybe a little bit uh, scary to do so at the time, but over the long run. Um, those tend to be very good money-making opportunities. Yeah, and I, I'm in a unique spot, right, because I'm kind of on the front lines of Evergreen in terms of day-to-day interactions with our actual clients and hearing uh, how they're dealing with these type of, of market moves and some better than others. Some uh, certainly are the, you know, I, I, we've been through these before, right? And others are like, this one feels different. And then so you hear kind of it all over the board and it happens every single time. And and so there you know there's part of the day where I feel like I'm playing I'm playing advisor and part of the day most of the days recently where I'm playing more like psychologist and you know uh, and, and uh, trying to help people think through their even like their emotions right like what what is impacting you thinking this way or or feeling this way and we try our best to help in, individuals guide themselves out of letting fear and greed dictate their market moves and and especially like all in or all out moves right that's like just like the opposite of how we invest money which is very much longer term trying to buy reasonable uh, and profitable companies at what we would say are reasonable valuations and really with the goal to hold on to them longer term, uh, generate cash flow for clients to live on and and build, you know, kind of like a almost like a, a, a what I like to describe as almost like a commercial real estate, uh, you know, empire with a bunch of good tenants and and not uh, not really worried too much day to day on what the like quote unquote Zillow value of your of your commercial building is. You know, I'm talking obviously about investing in financial markets, not actual commercial real estate, right? But like the analogy of you own almost re- uh, rental properties, right, in your portfolio that generate cash flow to live on. So I talk about this stuff with clients. All all the time just to try to uh, direct where we're at. But regardless, right now, wherever you turn, you know, any any, any uh, TV station you turn on, any newspaper you grab, it's bad, right? It's it's like there's a lot of fear, you know, in the media and maybe rightly so, right? Because market moves have been, have been pretty severe <clears throat> recently. But if I forced you to take a contrarian view of sorts on current market conditions, and highlight some things that you see that would be buying indicators uh, in this current market, not selling indicators, but buying indicators. What are some of the things that are jumping off at your on your screen? Yeah, it's a good question, and you know we touched on it briefly in that that first question. But valuation is kind of one of one that's top of mind. You know, generally you want to buy at a low valuation and sell at a high one, right? You know, and valuations have come down pretty drastically. Not to say that they can't go lower, and that earnings might be necessarily. Um, they could be uh, overinflated to some extent at this point, but even then, the valuation's kind of at a historically attractive point to be buying. Um, another kind of good indicator to see, and not one necessarily to follow blindly, 
Um, but insider buying has been fairly healthy at this point. Um, we've seen overall that company insiders, you know, CEO board members have been buying their own stock, you know, personally um, into these downturns. So, if, you know, it's generally a, a pretty good sign to see um, a board member buy $5 million worth of, of their own uh, company stock. Um, again, not to say that this is kind of a, an indicator that says, you know, smash the buy button and, and close your eyes, but it's it's a fairly reassuring indicator. Another thing I would say is that um, in general, the market was definitely overextended. Um, you know, we were talking about it last year. Um, we were talking about it in 2020, um, how the market had moved up so fast, so quickly, and to, to a quite um, healthy level in terms of valuation. Um, that's no longer the case. Valuations are reasonable. The market's pulled back. It's It's, you know, generally, gotten a lot of the excesses out. Um, so in general, uh, when you look at kind of how is the market uh, from a breadth perspective, you know, how many uh, stocks are participating or driving this downside at this point, you know, and until re until recently, it was largely kind of the, the tech stocks, stuff that maybe wasn't profitable and consumer discretionary stocks as well. So, you know, things that maybe didn't have the, uh, the ability to maintain the COVID growth rates. Um, so naturally, they came down um, in valuation. Looking at it today, after the last couple of weeks that have been very rough, you know, if you look at 11 sectors in the S&P, seven of them are at or uh, you know beyond oversold levels. So um, generally, you look at an RSI, which is a relative strength indicator, um, and it's kind of a gauge as to how fairly or unfairly a stock or a sector has been rewarded or punished. Um, so generally, an RSI reading uh, below 30 is oversold, um, and so seven of the S&P sectors, seven out of 11, are at that 30 or below. Um, so you know, again, another reassuring indicator um, to say, okay, this might have been a little bit overdone. Uh, that being said, from a kind of a zooming out, you know, on a longer-term technical perspective, the market does still look a little bit extended. There's not a lot of support in kind of the near term. You know, there is so, you know, at Evergreen, we're kind of, um, in general, we want to be buying um, into these major down moves. Um, but we're also going to be looking to trim some things that either have done very well for us over the last year, year and a half, and rotating into something that's been more beaten up. Or we're just looking to take some off the table and, and waiting for a pullback in that same stock or same sector. Um, you know, so we've been fairly active generally across the board as a firm. Um, you know, we've been kind of trimming on the way up and that into the, the rally that we had a few weeks ago. Um, and we've been uh, kind of limping into uh, into the buying into this kind of uh, resume downturn uh, that we saw last week, week or two. So, you know, in general, I think in these kind of really tough market conditions, you just have to go back to basics and, you know, buy low, sell high. Um, and, you know, you generally want to look at businesses that have really sustainable business models, good margins. And one thing that I think is overlooked uh, a lot of times by analysts or the market or you know, even retail investors is the management team. You know, I think that's one of our favorite things to look at is how how good is the management team at a, as a, at a company? You know, are they do they have kind of a, the team in place to be able to weather these these storms and, you know, in the good times, are they going to overextend and the bad times, are they going to cut too much and kind of put their company in a bad strategic position? Uh, so that's one thing we really pay attention to. And I think in general, um, if you have a good management team at a company, uh, you can feel fairly confident that they're going to come out of any kind of major cycle adjustments and, and 
you know, as, at least on a relative basis in good shape. Yeah, maybe final comment on what's our team looking at specifically right now, kind of what's on the top of our radar uh, in terms of kind of themes, sectors, areas that we're trying to get maybe added exposure to. Obviously, we can't talk about any individual names, but just more like themes and sectors that, that Evergreen likes currently. Yeah, no, it's, it's a good question. And, you know, last time we spoke, it was it was a fairly short list, you know, valuation wise, kind of kept us out of a lot of the, the overheated areas. Uh, looking today, you know, a lot of the sectors in the S&P are looking fairly valued, um, you know, at least reasonably. So in general, we're, we're trying to look for companies, again, we're looking at good business models with long-term macro tailwinds. Um, so materials is one area that we're, we're really being patient with, um, but is a, a kind of a long-term uh, play for us at the same time. So, you know, looking at beyond kind of gold miners and, and gold in general, but functional metals like aluminum, steel, copper, lithium, uh, those parts of the market are very tricky to get exposure to in a healthy way. Um, but at the right price, uh, they look very attractive, right? So, you know, a lot of these companies are in somewhat unsavory geographies. And so you have to be careful about what country risk you're taking on with them. But valuations have come down quite a bit with natural resources in general, um, taking a bit of a pause. They, you know, they've run up quite a bit during COVID um, and they've, they've come down with recession fears, which is, is kind of what you would expect. But I think overall, the long-term tailwinds of something like lithium or copper with just general ED uh, kind of adoption continuing to grow. Um, just in general, the uh, green energy push will help those kind of functional metals perform over the long run. But again, you kind of have to be careful about when and, and what you buy, because uh, there are some, um, you know, some risks that aren't necessarily in something like a Walmart. Um, there's, there's a different risk profile there. Um, I'd say beyond materials, we're looking at energy. Energy, we believe, will stay fairly tight over the next, you know, five to 10 years, um, you know, we're feeling it right now at the gas pump. Um, and I think in general, that's going to be a theme that we feel um, over the next several years. Uh, it won't necessarily stay this tight, um, but we think it's it's going to be tighter than, say, a pre-COVID level. I would also say that we're we're looking to, to buy selectively in, in things like technology. Um, you know, again, valuations have come down. There's business models within the NASDAQ um, or just in general kind of tech of the tech sector um, whose valuations are very reasonable and they generate a lot of cash and they have a lot of earnings potential um, and they also have kind of similar long-term tailwinds that that could help them over the next five to ten years again that you know want to be fairly selective in when in what you do again business model is very big management team is very big but also understand that tech in general has been hit very hard but yeah so i mean those are kind of the three large themes we're looking at right now you know, in general, I think we're fairly optimistic, but we're taking a cautious approach to the market. Um, again, kind of our, our active philosophy is to to try to kind of put our client, excuse me, put our clients in the best position to to benefit over the long run. Um, you know, no matter how painful the uh, kind of the short term gyrations might be. Yeah, and I would add, uh, you know, in addition to maybe sector analysis you guys have been doing, I've I've seen you guys really capitalize on the higher yields that we're getting uh, as of late. You know, with the with the sell off and not just equities but fixed income securities, clients that need cash flow. It's like there's such a better opportunity today to lock up cash flows to live on moving forward. And so that's been nice, you know, in, in the in the essence or sorry, in the analogy of the commercial real estate building, you know, we're doing a lot of replacing 
lower paying tenants with higher paying tenants, right? And, and, and cash flows that I've been looking at with clients in terms of what they can live on comfortably are, uh, you know, in, in most cases, quite a bit higher than even what we were looking at a year ago, even though maybe the Zillow value of their building is, is down between wherever it is, you know, October, November, December and today. But it's like the cash flows have actually been maintained and in many cases actually increased, which has been what, you know, which has been really helpful to the re- to the retired crowd that doesn't have their other, uh, you know, workable income streams. And I think that's especially the group that's been punished over the last 10 years with historically low interest rates is, you know, having to be forced into the growth game and away from the income game because, you know, still needed some additional return to live on. Right. And so it's like the market stabilizing a bit uh, for the retired crowd to be able to really produce livable cash flows. And I see you guys capitalizing on a ton of that. So anyways, maybe just final comments there earlier. And I'll and I'll add a little bit of an asterisk to what you said. You mentioned uh, in terms of our team and, and the active uh, piece to it, obviously, like, you know, it depends on strategy. There are there are certainly strategies that are intentionally built to be a bit more long-term hold, you know, and, and not highly active, whereas there's other strategies that use uh, more of a tactical approach. So, uh, you know, obviously, regardless of what we're investing in, we're trying to buy things that look attractive longer term. Um, and in some cases, in many cases, we're trying to then also play uh, near-term volatility, right? So I uh, just want to add that as like a, a little bit of a of a of an asterisk to it, in case there's a listener out there that's like, well, you know, maybe not necessarily in my specific strategy, but by and large, that is true. What you guys are doing, so um, I appreciate you jumping on. I, I, you know, I certainly appreciate all the dedicated work and time you put into, you know, everything that that you do on the on the on the analyst side, pouring over so many different investment opportunities, really trying to decipher in our view kind of good investments from bad and and letting the cream rise to the to the top and trying to really capitalize on what we think are the best of breed in so many different areas you know i know that's why clients hire us is because we got talented people that are smart that have done this for years and years and and i like that i like the approach that we take so i know i know that my clients are in good hands with you and your team and again i appreciate you jumping on with us we'll get you on again thanks for having me on jeff appreciate it Evergreen GovCal is a wealth management firm with offices in Bellevue, Washington, Portland, Oregon, and California's Bay Area. We provide investment management, tax compliance, family office, and retirement planning services. Evergreen is accepting applications for new clients who align with our firm's investment and planning approach. If you think you might be a fit with us, follow the link in the show notes to fill out our prospective client compatibility survey.